BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome to another episode of the Talking Metal Podcast. Trying something a little different for this episode. Just straight talk, no music, no intros, no nothing, no sponsors. Of course, you know, we will take your PayPal donations at TalkingMetal.com. We always like those. And also, of course, use the Amazon links in today's show notes to open up Amazon and you go make your purchases. We get a little money back on that. I'm in Central Park and a dog just nearly trampled me. Beautiful day here in Central Park. April 2014. On a lunch break from work where I work at the Time Warner Center. Again, use that Amazon link to open up your Amazon. Make your purchases that you would be making anyways. And uh, we get a little kickback on that. It's just one extra step. You just go to TalkingMetal.com. You look in the show notes for today's episode. At the bottom of the show notes, you will see a, a little mention of the Amazon link. Click on that. It opens your Amazon. Your products and your purchases won't cost you anything more than they normally would. You're just making, you're just making an a- extra step to support what, what I do here on Talking Metal. I guess the big news recently was Malcolm Young. It's been reported that he may have had a stroke, although that's all kind of hearsay. We didn't hear about him having a stroke officially. We have heard that he will be taking some time off or maybe permanently taking a break from ACDC. I don't know, but it's official he is taking a break from ACDC. He is 61 years old, a little over two years older than Angus. And I believe, I'm not positive about this, but I believe he is the seventh of eight children in the young family. Angus is the youngest of eight. Their older brother's name was George Young, and he was very important in getting ACDC going in the early days. So you you really had not just Angus Young and Malcolm Young, who are such an important part of this band, you had George Young. Now, George had had a song, I believe in the late 60s, with the Easy Beat. And the song was Friday on My Mind. Now, if you go Google that and you hear the song Friday on My Mind, you will be, oh, yeah, 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 that's, I know that song for sure. Big, big hit. Now, in, in that band, Easy Beat, George worked with a partner 
uh, a fellow band member, Harry Venda. Now, Harry and George, as a team, went on to become this songwriting producer team. And ACDC is one of many bands that they worked with. Now, obviously, ACDC featured George's two younger brothers, Malcolm and Angus. And it's even rumored that George helped with some of the guitars and bass on those early ACDC records. And when I say early, I mean all those early records right up until Highway to Hell, which, of course, Mutt Lang came in and produced that. So all that early stuff was was heavily influenced or produced, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it was heavily influenced. It's part speculation on my part. By older brother George, who, again, who had had a big hit with this song, Friday on My Mind. Now, he, he and his partner, Harry, produced those early ACDC records. They also worked with other artists. I think there was at least another one or two hit singles involved for them with pop artists and stuff like that in the 70s. So it wasn't ACDC that they were working with exclusively or anything like that. And, and they were, yeah, this songwriting producer team and again producing those great acdc records i mean i i just recently was listening to uh let there be rock and i mean that song specifically but the whole album it's just so freaking heavy and the only way you get that heavy is just cranking the guitars up louder than everything else and having a sense of chaos going in the studio or or at least if there wasn't chaos in the studio there was they they created a sound of chaos i mean it sounds like it's off the the like the train is about to go off the rails at any point such a great great record i i, I was really the one of the first bands i got into post kiss was was acdc I, they overlapped for a while because it's no secret that for me when the elder came out I, I lost interest in Kiss for a number of years and kind of rejoined them with Lick It Up. But it's it's no secret that for, you know, and then I went back and I discovered The Elder and Creatures of the Night. But but it's no secret that, I you know, as, as Kiss kind of fell out of favor, favor in this country in the early 80s, probably like I would say 82 to 84, I wasn't really actively following kiss or even really a kiss fan for that matter uh, i got into sticks right around the same time i got into kiss maybe a little after i got into kiss i was a big fan of them and and acdc then came along of course zeppelin i was into skinnerd those were all bands that kind of transitioned to me in a way away from kiss april wine i was into but anyways acdc was one of those big big bands for me and then let there be rock was one of the first records i got by them i, I Dirty Deeds was the first record I got. Uh, and then it was Let There Be Rock, Back in Black. Such great stuff. Those early ACDC records, just so powerful and, and so potent. And George Young, again, their older brother, was just a big part of that, along with his partner, Harry Venda. And again, those two guys had had a hit together with their band, back in the 60s called Friday on My Mind. Again, Google that song. You'll definitely recognize that song. Now, 
it's interesting because a lot of people are, oh, my God, Malcolm's out of the band. What are they going to do? You know, they're still going to continue. And I mean, whether ACDC should continue or not is a whole nother discussion. But they have done things without Malcolm before. Back in 1988, Stevie Young, who was their nephew, not, not the son of, of George, uh, son of an older brother, I believe, Alex, who, and I believe Stevie Young isn't all that much younger than Malcolm and, and uh, Angus. I might be wrong about that. I really have no idea. But I know he was playing guitar back in the 70s, so maybe he's 10 years younger than them. I don't know. But Stevie Young, back in 1988, toured with ACDC when Malcolm was taking some time off to, to conquer some demons, uh, reportedly alcoholism. And Stevie Young had toured with them on that tour, and a lot of the fans didn't even realize that there was uh, a replacement in for for Malcolm because I guess he kind of really looked the part and looked similar to to Malcolm. So, will they get Stevie Young back in the band? I, I read he's still a musician, still still plays. So that should be interesting to see if he comes back into the fold. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and again, back to my other question, should ACDC continue as a band? I almost feel like maybe not, but it sounds like they still want to keep going. You know, it's people have said it about Kiss. I actually have no problem with Kiss continuing. I know Eddie Trunk is critical of Paul Stanley's voice, saying he can't sing anymore. I I think Paul can sing really pretty decently. Sure, you get the YouTube clips up there that aren't that great but i think he still continues to to do the job and put on a great show you know i recently saw this aerosmith dvd that was recorded in japan slightly after the earthquake and tsunami over there and i thought i thought i had to turn it off after a few songs i thought they sounded incredibly sluggish and it wasn't necessarily steven tyler it was more the drums i just thought it sounded real sluggish on that, uh, I bought the Celebration Day DVD back in 2012 of, of that Led Zeppelin reunion, which happened, I think, back in, what, 2007, I'm, I'm thinking. And that was, I thought, really bad. I mean, I, I, it's like all these years I've always wanted a Led Zeppelin reunion, and I even questioned why, you know, there was big money on the, on the table for those guys to get back together back in I think 2007, right after they had done that one reunion show. And after seeing the DVD and buying that DVD, I have to say maybe it's better that they didn't get back together because, I mean, let's face it, Paige just doesn't really have it anymore. And, you know, Robert obviously doesn't have the range, which a lot of these guys don't, but but the the, the guitar playing just wasn't there in my opinion and i love jimmy page he's the master i mean such a a incredible incredible figure in rock and rock history and sometimes maybe it's best to leave that history untarnished i mean that's kind of where i've i've fallen after for decades and decades just wanting a led zeppelin reunion with jason bonham or whoever on drums I, i almost feel like that celebration DVD made me think that maybe after all, you know, Plant's been the bad guy in this. People have said he's the guy who doesn't want the reunion, but maybe he he understood this more than us fans did all along. That 
that what they did in the 70s was so magical that and late 60s for that matter was so magical that when you get back together as older guys who don't play as well anymore you risk tarnishing that legacy is that possible just throwing it out there i don't know so anyways back to acdc you know they've continued the tour i've been seeing them well i shouldn't i haven't seen them recently i haven't seen them in 15 years probably but i saw them from like 85 is the first time i saw them through that was like the fly on the wall tour and i saw them through which was one of my all-time favorite shows out of hundreds and hundreds of shows that i've seen through the years that fly acdc doing fly on the wall is one of my favorite concert experiences ever and i saw them <clears throat> again a couple years after that and again a couple years after that all the way up until probably 99 uh and they got progressively worse they were never bad but i just brian johnson's voice the energy level on stage i always felt went down from from show to show that i would see them play and does that tarnish their legacy i don't know i really don't know i don't know but you know it's it's a lot of these rock stars who die hendrix or or whatever even kurt cobain for that matter randy rhodes dime bag you could put in that bunch it's like they they a lot of them it's um you know when they don't have the chance to grow old and, and and give us shit records and low energy performances on stage it really cements their their legacy as being perfect or close to perfect so i don't know just thinking out loud here so guys i want to thank you all personally for listening to this episode of talking metal coming to you from central park i'd like to end on just a another couple notes here tawny katane i was hoping to connect with her at the chiller fest in new jersey for an interview wouldn't it be great to interview tawny katane former girlfriend of robin crosby ex-wife of david coverdell but anyway she appears to have canceled so i don't even know if i'm going to go to chiller now chiller theater festival happening this weekend in new jersey speaking of tawny katane kind of a segue to the uh the 80s hits here i go again which is a song that i just saw featured in rock of ages on broadway i saw it this friday this past friday my wife and i had a dinner at b smith's on 46th street then we went to 44th Street, right by Times Square there, to see Rock of Ages on Broadway. Here's my review. I didn't really like it. Uh, somebody told me that uh, that the movie, it didn't work as a movie. A couple people actually said, oh, it didn't work as a movie, but it, it was great on, uh, you know, on the stage. So I, I saw it. I, I didn't think it was that good. I, I thought the cast was phenomenal. I thought everyone in the cast did a great job and really played the parts well. I thought the storyline was dull. The choice of music was okay. I mean, I didn't I didn't really have that big of issue with the way the music was performed. Like I remember a long time ago when I saw Tommy performed on Broadway, I had the same problem Roger Daltrey had with it. You know, that was Pete Townsend's whole deal getting that on Broadway. That it just 
didn't sound like rock. It didn't have the power that uh, that Tommy did when the Hooper formed it, you know. But I didn't necessarily have that problem with Rock of Ages. I thought they did a pretty good job at having, you know, rock guitar players reproduce the sound and rock drummer and stuff. And even, you know, the singing, yeah, they're kind of a little Broadway sound to some of the singers. But in general, the cast was great. And that wasn't my issue. My issue was it's just kind of boring. You know, the story was incredibly weak, and I, I got I got bored pretty quick, pretty quick. The best part of the show for me was in the theater. Mark Weiss had all these pictures up of all these great shots of a lot of our favorite bands from the '80s that I'd never seen before, and it makes me want to go visit Mark Weiss's website to to check out some of that stuff. Some great Lita Ford shots, Ozzy. There was a real cool candid axle shot from like the early, probably the early to mid '90s, which I thought was awesome, which I'd never seen. And it's kind of funny. Rock of Ages, the musical. At least I've never seen the movie, but the musical on Broadway. There's no Def Leppard music in it, which is is kind of strange that they would choose to call it Rock of Ages and not have any Def Leppard music into it in it. You know, and somebody said to me, "Oh, maybe you were too close to the music and that's why you didn't like it. It's more for the casual." And no, that's not why that's not why I didn't like it. I just thought I thought the story was was almost non-existent and weak and absolutely boring. So, I don't recommend Rock of Ages on the stage. I've never seen the movie. Maybe the movie's better. People have told me it's not, though. So there you go. Currently reading Paul Stanley's book. About 70 pages in. Good so far. And it's funny. You know, Ace's book was kind of like, I felt like, you know, no regrets. A happy-go-lucky tale. Gene's book seemed upbeat for the most part. Um, You know, a lot of it, he's responsible for everything. He's the greatest type of vibe in Gene's book. Peter's book was, you know, he felt cheated, the victim type of vibe in Peter's book, if you ask my my couple-word opinion of it. And Paul's book, pretty much what I would expect a lot of, you know, feeling like the loner, feeling like the, uh, he, he, it was him against the world, um, some a lot of complaining. I even haven't even gotten to the Ace and Peter complaining yet, but just complaining about his parents and his upbringing. And listen, he did. I'm sure have a, a, a tough upbringing. He was born with one ear. He's deaf on that side of his head. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, so far, 70 pages in, it's I guess what I would expect. And I feel each member, original member of that band. Their books have kind of reflected their own personality, if you ask me. And which is kind of stupid for me to say because they wrote the books and what else would you expect? So we had a poll on our Facebook page. I asked people what their favorite Queensryche record was, and I gave them three options that they could choose from Empire, Mind, Crime, and Rage for Order. Now, why didn't I? just ask them what their favorite Queensryche record was? I don't know. I just said, which one of these records is your favorite? Two people said Empire. I had, let's see, one, two, three, 
4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. 22 people said mind crime. Again, 2 said empire. 22 said mind crime. 2 said rage for order, which is my favorite Queensryche record. And those were all the options. However, I had one person say warning and one person say promised land. No one said the EP, which I still love that four song EP. The original introduction to Queensryche. So there you go. Thanks for participating in that, guys. And I, I love reading all your comments. You can check us out on Facebook. We have two Facebook pages. There's the Talking Metal Facebook page and the Talking Metal Digital Facebook page. I've tried to combine the, the two, but Facebook declined that offer. I don't, have no idea why. Fucking stupid. And what else? Check me out on one of my other shows. It's called One on One with Mitch LaFong. Been loving what Mitch, what Mitch mostly, and what I've been helping him do with these podcasts so far. We uh, play Mitch's interviews. Mitch and I talk rock and metal. It's a lot of fun. It's called One on One. You can find it in the new and noteworthy section currently on iTunes. And also, of course, on Talking Metal digital.com in the one-on-one section we'll have it up on other platforms soon it is on spreaker it is on spreaker all right what else i guess it's about it guys thanks again for listening to me ramble here on talking metal i always enjoy connecting and talking with you guys thanks for your support give us a like on facebook and follow us on twitter the handle is talking metal later.